0: If you're listening to this podcast, I sure hope that you've read The Name of the Wind and The Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss, because if not, you're going to be spoiled. And please don't say I didn't warn you. Let's get to it. Hello, friends, familiars, lovers, anti-lovers, enemies. If you're listening, Taylor. Welcome back to Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast. My name is RJ, which, if you were wondering, stands for Roast Beef Au Jus. I know that is four letters, but I'm already calling this thing E-T-R-S-O-P for quote-quote short, so you'll forgive me if uh, I only say RJ for roast and jus. I don't know how much last- longer this bit's going to last where I try to tell you what my name stands for, but I can assure you it's probably going to last pretty long. Every episode, I profile a female character from Patrick Rothfuss's The Kingkiller Chronicle. Now, if you haven't read The Kingkiller Chronicle, first of all, well, I'm glad that you found this podcast somehow, but second of all, please stop listening to it and listen to something else. There are a lot of great podcasts out there, all probably better than mine. Tonight we are, or today, or this afternoon whenever you're listening to this, we're talking about Lyra, or Lyra, however you want to say it. I'll probably say both. If I recall correctly, the only real information we get about her is in Scarpy's story about Lyra and Lanre, or if I'm feeling particularly Midwestern, Lanray. We hear a little bit more about Lanray as time goes on, but not really any more about Lyra. Arladin mentions her in his little song teaser and Denna comments on how she needs to expound on their relationship in her song. But that's all I can remember for such a powerful and influential person. Now here are seven things, because seven is a very significant number that we know about her. Number one, Lyra was one of the most powerful namers during the creation war Along with Aleph, Celly Toast, Celly toast. toast, and Eax during the Creation War. A little peek behind the curtain. Um, I don't I don't leave bloopers out, so these are just going in, and I've had approximately one IPA, so we're gonna have a good time. Number two, Lyra was, quote, terrible and wise, with a power as great as her husband Lanrace. Number three. She is said to have joined Lanre in all his battles, including the Black of Drossan Tor. Number four, perhaps most crucially, she was able to call Lanre back from the doors of death. She had to call his name three times, but he turned and he heard her. Number five, we are not sure how she died, but she did, which contributed majorly to Lanre's fall. Number six, Lanre blames himself for Lyra's death, saying, quote, Deceit and treachery brought me to it, but her death is on my hands. And number seven, in a roundabout way, perhaps, Lyra directly caused the creation of the Chandrian and fall of Mere Terennial by disturbing the natural order of things and bringing Lanre back from the dead. I think a good question to ask is how Lyra was able to bring her love back from beyond death. From the book, that book being The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. In the midst of silence, Lyra stood by Lanre's body and spoke his name. Her voice was a commandment. Her voice was steel and stone. Her voice told him to live again. But Lanre lay motionless and dead. In the midst of fear, Lyra knelt by Lanrae's body and breathed his name, her voice beckoning. Her voice was love and longing. Her voice called him to live again. But Lanrae lay dead and cold. In the midst of despair, Lyra fell across Lanrae's body and wept his name. Her voice was a whisper. Her voice was echo and emptiness. Her voice begged him to live again, but Lanray lay breathless and dead. Lanray was dead. Lyra wept brokenly and touched his face with trembling hands. all around men turned their heads because the bloody field was less horrible to look upon than Lyra's grief. but Lanray heard her calling. Lanray turned at the sound of her voice and came to her. From beyond the doors of death, Lanray returned. He spoke her name and took Lyra in his arms to comfort her. He opened his eyes and did his best to wipe away her tears with shaking hands, and then he drew a deep and living breath. We know Lyra had the power to kill a man or still a thunderstorm with her voice. We know she was able to match some extraordinarily powerful people in naming. We know that the major figures in the creation war had incredible abilities, but bringing back someone from the dead is extraordinary, and I don't think that it's something that happens anywhere else in the Chronicle. It speaks of magic and mystery that are most likely long gone from the Four Corners, and I think it speaks of the power of love, but also the danger of using that power, or any power, to shape the world for your own gain. Now, this story reminds me a bit of the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, in which Orpheus, son of the god Apollo and an expert lyre player, loses the love of his life and descends into the underworld to beg Hades to allow him to take his beloved back to the mortal realm. Hades is so moved by the Song of Grief that he allows Orpheus to take Eurydice back under one condition. He must travel the path back to the living without looking back at her until he has ascended fully back into the mortal. Tragically, Orpheus makes it just a short distance from the exit before his doubts take over and he turns back to make sure she is there, but she is then whisked away back into the underworld. Different versions of the myth detail Orpheus's demise, but he dies soon after. Interesting when thinking of this, how the name Lyra or Lyra is so close to lyre, the stringed instrument, and this also close to liar, as in a person who doesn't tell the truth. Also recall the lessons about the permanence of death that we get throughout Harry Potter, a series of novels written by an accomplished trans-exclusive ragmole feminist. No spell can reawaken the dead, Harry, Dumbledore tells him. Think of the stone archway in the Ministry of Magic that we see in Order of the Phoenix, where if you fall through, you can never come out again. Portal into the Fae, anyone? Think of the story of the Deathly Hallows and the Resurrection Stone, which allows someone to recall a lost loved one, but only as an imprint, a shadow, who was sad and cold and could never be whole again. And think of Voldemort, who is able to cheat death, but only by corrupting his soul with some seriously dark magic. All this to say, bringing Lanre back must have come with a price, however Lyra did it. The price may have been her life eventually, or it may be that when Lanre came back, part of him was corrupted or missing. We aren't sure how Lyra died. We do know Lanre's grief caused him to look for the power to bring her back, and in looking for this power, he sought forbidden knowledge and was unable to kill himself and rejoin her in death. He spoke to the Cathay, even, and orchestrated the betrayal of Celitos and Minas Tirith. I mean, Myrterennial. So again, I'm taking a roundabout way to get back to that question. How did Lyra bring Lanray back from death? I would like the answer to be that it was her love, just the power of love. But then why couldn't Lanray bring her back? I think there is a significance to how she said his name and the fact that she called it three times which speaks to some deep naming magic. Or, and this is a theory that's just kind of formulating as I think of this, we know he died at the Black of Drosentor. We know the enemy he killed was shut beyond the doors of stone. Now, I assume these mentioned doors of stone are at Drosentor, or possibly are Drosentor, which, by the way, is almost an anagram of stone doors, And Drausentor is close to the German Drausentür, which means outside door, or Drausentor, which means outside gate or gateway. I'm not 100% certain if the battle took place after the world had been fully split into mortal and fae. One would assume it is since it was after Jack stole the moon. So it's possible... The fact that Lanray died at or near a gateway to the Fae somehow strengthened Lyra's magic and allowed Lanray to circumvent the power of death. Perhaps there once was, or still is, stronger energies at the doorways to Fae. And perhaps these things all combined, Lyra's love, Lyra's naming prowess, and the inherent power of Drossentor made it so Lanray could return to her. I think it's an interesting little piece of story that no one actually saw Lanre return from death because they all had looked away, which feeds into a theory I've seen online that maybe somehow Lyra took his place or she split her mind in two, maybe playing seek the stone and somehow reanimated him with a part of her own mind then kind of cracked or was unable to maintain it. And then she... Her physical form died, but somehow Lanre and Lyra both got trapped inside the same body, thus giving Lanre all of Lyra's naming power. Certainly an interesting one. Maybe Lyra's naming power stretched somehow into shaping, and she twisted the world, turned it from true, and that's how she brought Lanre back. It could also be possible that since they were projected so close to the Fey realm that some Feyan creature inhabited his body as a skin dancer. But to me, all of that seems a little bit of a reach, even for a fantasy story. Lanre's fall, in my opinion, is not as tragic if he was really inhabited by some Fey creature upon his resurrection. This is very much a story about a tragedy of two lovers, two assumed human beings, who had great power and a great love that drove them to tragedy. I think this could be why Abanthe tells Quoth, remember your father's song, because ultimately this story is about the dangers of power and what can go wrong when you try to change the world for your own gain. The next burning question I have about Lyra is how and why she died and why no one knew the truth about what happened to her, because it seems to me that even though the creation war was ending, it was still going on and she and Lanre were still out there fighting. So she must have disappeared for a while, or maybe they both did while they were dealing with whatever happened, um, if none of the soldiers came back with the true story of what had happened. Rumors flew that Lyra was sick, that she had been kidnapped, that she had died. Now, it could, of course, be natural causes or an injury from battle, but I think it had something to do with what she did for Lanre. We don't get from the story that she struck any kind of deal with someone or that she actually used any magic other than her voice, but something might have gone wrong. I think it must have gone wrong. Recall that Lanre says, Deceit and treachery brought me to it, but her death is on my hands. Does this mean Lyra deceived him and betrayed him, or was it someone else who deceived and betrayed Lanre and he accidentally killed his beloved? We assume that she died before Lanre started accumulating all his new power. So I don't think there's a direct connection to his naming power and her death unless somehow she sacrificed herself so he could live. There aren't as many online theories about her death as they are about Lanre's resurrection, but I think she somehow lost or gave up part of her life force to bring him back. There must have been a consequence to an action that big. Perhaps she was called into Fae somehow to answer for her quote-unquote crime of using magic for resurrection. I was on Tor.com perusing the comments in the reread section, and someone suggested Lyra had some sort of incurable disease, leading Lanre to go to the Cathaya for one of its flowers, which again is a tie to the Fae. I like that idea, though I would think it means Lanre visited Cathay twice. I think we have to explore, as many of us in the fandom do, with any of these stories we hear, if Lanre's story parallels something in the current timeline, particularly Quoth and Dennis' story. Now, remember when Quoth sings about the tragedy of Savian and Eloene at the Aeolian his first time, of love lost and found and lost again, which sounds like Lanre and Lyra, Denna says she is the Savian figure because she saved Quoth at the Aeolian by singing with him and then came looking for him. By my calculations, if we are to compare Quoth and Denna to Lanre and Lyra, at this point in the story, Quoth would take the place of the Lyra figure with his naming power. He already calls Denna pretty much back to life near the end of Book 2 when she can't breathe and has to cajole her three times to eat the charcoal in Book 1 when they're hiding from the Dracus and she ingests the Ophalum, though I'm not sure if that would have been a fatal dose or not. I would thus assume, if it's following this pattern, that he must save her life a third time in Book 3. But I also like the idea of Denna as the Lyra, because I think it's entirely possible if she dies, it drives Quoth to madness. This would, of course, mean she has to save him from death somehow in Book 3, and we're not certain of any power she has beyond her knack for music and her burgeoning expertise with yellish knots. But I think something could happen, and maybe Denna has to use a forbidden or dangerous power to bring him back, which costs her something, perhaps her life. And that would drive Kvothe to then seek out his own version of a darker magic to try and bring her back. Of course, this makes quoth the Lanre figure, and what would be more delicious storytelling than his life paralleling that of Haliax, a man he ostensibly hates. I think there's also probably some weight to the theory that Lanray and Lyra were part of the original Lackless family, possibly the Low close which I've discussed on a couple podcasts so far, clearly a very important family. Um... Plenty of users on Reddit and the Tor reread have pointed out how Black of Dross and Tor could definitely be close to Black Dross, Black Dress, and that the original rhyme um, about Seven Things has Lady Lackless keeps them underneath her black dress does refer to Lyra, and the Dross and Tor is somehow hers or that she's connected to the Lackless family in some way. I will admit, I haven't really thought about this one a ton. I've done some good reading about it, but we know that the Loclos Lackless family is very old, and I think I've put forth some good information here and on a previous podcast that the Drossen tour is very clearly a door or a gateway. So this, um, this is another really good one. I'm not going to go that deep into it because I think plenty of folks on the Reddit. And like I said, on the tour reread on Tumblr, other places on the internet have done a pretty good job spelling this one out, but I wanted to bring it to your attention because I like to make you think. Kind of want to spitball here, and I think it's very important just to note as I'm closing out this episode that the story of Lanre we hear is a story from Scarpy, and then the ensuing story of the Ruach and the Amir and the angels, another Scarpy story, Quoth takes as true the story of who Haliax really is. But I think it's entirely possible that maybe Dana had it right. And the idea we have of the story of Lanre is, is not right. I mean, Scarpy seems like a great guy. He seems to have a lot of power. But, you know, it's very possible that this story isn't true. And everything that we've heard is some sort of bastardization of the real story. Or certainly that things were left out. Um, I wish that we got to hear a bit more about Lyra. Someone who was so powerful. I mean, she's up there in the the top four Namer power rankings, you know, up there with Aleph, Selitos, and Iax, slash Jack, slash, you know, whoever else he might be. So just important to take with a grain of salt that maybe this story Quoth takes as true is not true, and Ray was someone else, that Haliax is someone else. Guess we're just going to have to wait for day three. So that does it for me today, talking about Lyra slash Lyra slash Lady Lackless slash Haliax, maybe. Who knows at this point? I wanted to do just a quick little bit of housekeeping. If I missed something or you're confused about something I said, want some links, please hit me up. I'm on Twitter or Facebook under the username ETRSOP, and you can email me ETRSOP at gmail.com. I'm also delighted to look at my listener stats and find out I have a few new countries represented in the past few weeks. So hey to everyone from Austria, the UK, Canada, and France, and everywhere else you might be listening. Hopefully we'll see some new countries pop up soon. And please feel free, like I said, to get in touch with me somehow. I would be happy to hear from you. I will continue. Hopefully have some special guests coming in down the pipeline and of course have more female characters to talk about. Still got to go to Denna and Florian and the moon among others. So thank you for sticking with me. I know that there was probably some background noise and some harsh popping peas. I'm still working on how far to sit back from this mic, but I hope you all are doing well, that you're safe, happy, healthy. Until next time, may all your stories be glad ones and your roads be smooth and short.